Just a quick note to say a massive thank you to everyone who has supported the show so far. I really appreciate it. Uh, a very mysteriously named The Eye donated one coffee. John D has donated an insanely generous five coffees. And just last night, James Clark donated three coffees and he said, keep up the great work. Love your interview style and questioning. You clearly put a lot of prep into each interview and I love the thought that goes into each question. When I read that, I was so happy. I really appreciate it. When you're doing a podcast, you don't really know if anyone's getting any value from it unless they email you or leave a review or support the show. So yeah, it just means the world. So thank you so much. And if you too are moved to support the show and would like to buy me a coffee, you can do. Uh, The link is in the show notes. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's the last of the season for a little while, um, but it's a good one. You just get better. It's like it's like running or weightlifting or something. The more you do it, you're going to get stronger at the skill. It's it's inevitable. So like when people are like, how do you get into this? How do you do that? Like, who do you have to meet? Or it's not, it's just, you just got to be really, really good. And you have to be really, really lucky. Welcome to the Out of Hours podcast. The podcast for people who are creating things they think should exist in the world. I'm Georgia Ritter, founder of outofhours.org, a community for people with side projects. I believe that everyone has a great idea and working on things we care about can help us be more creative, more resilient and more confident. There are barriers that stop us from starting, sometimes time, money or network, but also self-belief, not knowing where to start and wondering what other people might think. On this show, I'll explore the stories of people who have followed their curiosity, been brave and started a side project, only to turn it into something much bigger than they ever thought possible. I'll explore the stories of nonprofits, businesses, creative projects, and social movements to understand the practical first steps they took, the doors these small ideas can open, and the magic that happens when you start taking your own ideas seriously. Today on the podcast, we have Matt Bukley, known on Instagram as Matt Bouchelle. You may recognize Matt from his comedic, straight-to-camera, one-minute monologues as he walks through the streets of New York. He is a writer, comedian and composer, and he's always been interested in comedy and music and always alongside his full-time jobs. Today, he's full-time on his creative work. He's written for The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, and he's had his work featured on places like Netflix and Comedy Central. We talk about why fear is so irrational, why putting his work online was so key for his success, and why he thinks all musicians want to be comedians and all comedians want to be musicians. I hope you enjoy this episode. I've been sick for like three weeks, so I keep doing these. Oh, yeah, are you feeling better? Is everything okay? I'm feeling, I'm slightly less nasal. My thing was I've recorded maybe like three episodes now where I have a cold. And so it's sounding oh, just God. like, uh, hey, welcome back to, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no one wants <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. hear that. But anyway, so I'm very, very excited to have you on the show. The context of how I've come across you, you're probably going to be disappointed or happy to hear, is your Instagram <laughs> videos of you walking with your AirPods sure, <laughs> sure, sure. about the modern world. And the reason I say I don't know if you're going to be happy or sad is I don't know how, how those pieces of work fit into your kind of broader perception of who you are as an artist, as a comedian, as a musician. But, but I love them and I think they're absolutely hilarious. No, that makes me very happy. I don't like... I, I don't like feel one way or another about like, oh, that's just bullshit art or whatever. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's all, it's all entertaining. 
if that's how you found me and you enjoy it, God, I'm happy. You know, like it's someone cares about the shit I'm doing. I watch a lot of comedy and it's quite hard to make me laugh out loud. But I find when I'm watching those, there's just something so funny about them. Like at some of the stuff that you say, and I think that the observations that you make, and I think the way in which you deliver them, you're doing, I think it's, it's quite unique because often when people are very highly observant, it can be very down and kind of like a bit like, oh, look at those guys like doing dumb stuff. Whereas actually you managed your tone just delivers it in a way that feels like, oh, it's not, you know, I can't describe it, but like you're delivering it in a way that feels like, um, like lighter and less like critical. And I think that combination is probably what's made those videos so popular with people because they're so observant and they're so funny, but they're not down on like modern society and what's happening in the world. I'm glad you, I'm glad that resonates with you. Cause I, ch- I try not to be cynical. Some people will be like, like when I meet people that recognize me from those things, they'll be like, Oh, I love your rants. People always say rant. Like, like I love your <laughs> rants. And I always associate rants with like anger or like, and, and I mean, there's some things that are really stupid and, and are annoying, but I don't know. I'm glad it resonates in a way that's not so cynical for you because I always think of it as like, my worldview is like, I'm not here to destroy someone or like take them down. It's more, I just look at what's happening around me and think, God, this is so silly or, or God, this is so stupid, but it's never from a place of like, fuck you. It's more just like, isn't this silly? Why are we all not saying how silly this is? And I think that's the more positive spin on things. I'm sure you've been asked this by someone, but how spontaneous are they? Because they that's the other thing that's smart about them is it looks like you've just you're kind of just riffing, but they're so well thought through that of course like some preparation goes into them. I think yeah, I think people I'm always shocked when people think I'm just walking around delivering like a kind of lean joke filled monologue off the cuff. No one I think I'm a funny person, but I don't think anyone's that like, <laughs> like these are clearly written out. I thought, but so many people think I'm just off the cuff, like some kind of like, I don't know, joke machine, but, but no, I, I typically, I typically have something that I think about, you know, whether it's something in the news or something that I've just kind of noticed from traveling or whatever has been going on in my life. And I'll jot out some thoughts. It's never, you know, like scripted, but like, it is sort of like, oh, that's a funny thing to say about this. And that's another thing you could say. And then I'll usually record a little voice memo of me in my apartment, just like saying it out loud to be like, because then when you say it out loud, you always figure out where it's like boring to you. You're like there needs to be something funnier here. And then, uh, yeah, there's not much to it. And then I'll go walk around. And obviously there is an element of off the cuff to it because I'm not the world's greatest uh, uh, actor. So it's like, <laughs> I walk around and I kind of forget what I even wrote. And I'm like, what was I, what did I want to say there? Was there a better, what was I doing earlier? And I try to like, so there's an element of like, you know, recalling it correctly and just saying whatever comes to mind. And and I usually don't put too much time. I mean, you've seen it. <laughs> there's no cuts. There's no, whatever I get is kind of what I get. I, I send it to my, my girlfriend. I go, does this make any sense? She goes, yeah, it's good. Post it. I'm like, okay, cool. Is she your person that you go to where you're like, like if you're agonizing over whether to do post something or not post something, does she help with that? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes we don't always hit it correctly, but for the most part, I'm like, is this funny? And it's one, is this funny to you? Does this resonate? And then it's two, do I look insane? Because like the camera is dangerously close to my face. And sometimes I'm like, the people in the comments will light me up if there's like a straight nose hair or something. So I'm like, do I look but ultimately it's like does this make you laugh and do you think anyone understands what i'm talking about beyond just you and me and she's like yeah 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 people will like this i'm like okay i want to go back to how you first got into comedy sure because i read somewhere that you did stand up alongside your full-time job 
Is that true? Yeah, I, I moved to New York. Uh, I'm from Pittsburgh. I moved to New York after after college in 2012. And I was doing like sketch comedy and improv and, and stand. Uh, I was doing like whatever I could. I was playing music in some some like comedy shows. And uh, it was all going fine. I mean, I was making friends and I was young. I was like in my early 20s. So it was, it was almost like a social thing more than it was about like doing anything. I just knew I wanted to be doing that and being perform like performative with what I was doing. And uh, none of it really stuck or like took. It wasn't like I, agents were knocking on my door, but I was having fun and I was getting better at what I do. And I was always trying to write, like, like write jokes on Twitter, stuff like that. Um, what age are we talking here? Like, I'd say like 22 to like 26, 7. And I was always bopping around at different jobs. Uh, some in the industry, some not. It was always like going back and forth of like thinking I was close to doing what I wanted to do. And then like the show I was working on would end and I'd go back to like temp jobs or, you know, just random things to fill the gaps. Unemployment, you know, at periods of time. Um, but it wasn't till like... I don't know, like 2018, 2019, when I started making, I really started focusing on the internet stuff, just making videos, uh, largely on, this was like before TikTok existed. And that's, you know, a few retweets from some prominent people. I started getting a little bit of a following and, and things kind of snowballed, uh, just getting like, you know, attention of, of reps. And, and I just, yeah, I just really leaned into making like, I was doing a lot of comedy songs when I first started. Um, and that kind of led to, to like the career launching really that was how i started booking gigs and, and doing you know that's how i got like my first writing job etc cetera, etc cetera. did you see it as i'm building a career and then i'm doing comedy on the side fingers crossed it works out or did you see it more as i'm doing comedy i just need to make some money on the side very much the latter uh like i i really was just i i especially towards like the second half of my 20s i was just like how do i pay my bills and it sounds shitty because I, I was a good employee everywhere I worked. I like worked hard. I wasn't like a dickhead. I showed up on time and did my job. But like everything was a means to like, I just want to make more, especially when the video started taking off. I was like, how can I spend more time doing that? Yeah. And I even from like a young age, I remember feeling that way. I remember being very, I, I started playing guitar when I was, uh, I think my parents bought me a little like electric guitar starter kit when I was like 12, maybe 11. And I remember thinking, I was like a huge, like Green Day, Blink-182, all those like pop punk bands were huge. And I just remember like clear as day thinking like, you know, I got to go to school and like get good grades and like try. But I just remember thinking like, I'm going to be a fucking guitar player. Like I was like, I'm for sure going to be in a band for a living. Like I just was convinced. And even though I don't necessarily do that for a living now, I just like had this weird attitude of like i'm I don't, I don't need to really worry too much because i'm not going to become a scientist or a doctor or a, i was like i'm just going to play guitar and someone's going to be like that kid's amazing when sure enough it takes you know like 20 plus years but like it's it was this this like confidence and this weird ego at a young age of like if i just work really hard at this i don't have to really try at anything else and then that carried through to like jobs in my 20s of like i really liked temping because i didn't have to there was no like relationship. I didn't have to care about like impressing a boss because I was only there for like two weeks. It was like as long as I showed up, did the work, I didn't have to go to the office happy hour when I wanted to be at home writing. I could just be like, I'm the temp. No one cares about me here. I'll show up, get my little wage that keeps me afloat, go back home. And Did you ever worry at points in that before you had any kind of early signs of success that it wouldn't work out and you would be a temp 
forever. There's nothing wrong with being a temp, but maybe no, if you were going into it thinking, you know, this is a temporary thing. And then if over and over again, you were to do something temporary, did you ever have that? Or you're just like, no, it's definitely going to work out. I definitely, I mean, I still don't feel like it's going to work out. I don't think that goes <laughs> away. Like, like any success always feels a little fleeting. Um, I, I don't know. And I mean that very sincerely. I'm not like trying to be mm. like, like it's when I was temping, I'm trying to think how I felt. There was, there was some anxiety about that, but a lot of it stemmed more from financial uh, issues than like, oh my God, I'm not going to be this lauded artist. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like it was more of like, I have to pay, <laughs> I have to like survive. And I didn't really think too much of like, is this going to work out? Because like, I think I saw the alternate, like I really tried to work in TV and like work my way up the rungs from like assistant type stuff. But that it's like that weird attitude of, and I'm sure it works out for some people, but I, I think I was so convinced, like if I'm just in the room, they'll see that I'm this like genius and they'll, they'll let me write on the show. And it's, it doesn't work like that. You have to have lots of reps put in and you have to have lots of material. And I had like none of that. And I just had this like weird attitude of like, well, surely someone will see me and think I'm great. And it just doesn't, that's not how life works. And so I was much happier doing the temp stuff. Cause I was like, look, I'm not going to be able to do this other thing. So at the very least I'll try to, like, I don't know. I was happy. I was happiest doing that before things started to hit because I was like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. I have to do this. I'm going to be upset if I don't try to make it in a creative field, you know? There's two things I want to pick up on that because I just think that's so funny. And I think it's so common in actually in all jobs, not even creative jobs, where you're like, here I am. And you're, and you think you're way more visible than you are. Yeah. And you think, and you're waiting for someone to pick you, um, which just doesn't, yeah. sometimes it happens, but it actually doesn't even work like that for people who go down that traditional career path often. As you say, you need to audition, you need to put yourself forward. You don't just get like selected. Yeah. Um, but when did you, when did you realize that you'd kind of have to almost like circumvent the gatekeepers on that? You know, like when did you realize like, oh, hang on a minute, I can just go direct to the audience versus be selected by someone else who's been working in the industry for a while? I'm not sure there was like ever a conscious moment. I think maybe when a couple of my first like things went like viral, so to speak, uh, I think that was the moment of realizing like, oh, people are seeing your stuff and, and you just need to keep doing this. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think it was more of just like, I don't know if there was like an event or a moment as much as it was this thought of, and I tell people this all the time, if like anyone ever asked me for like a coffee or something for mm. like advice, it's like, no one knows uh, what, you're good at or what you can do unless you tell them and it's it's that thing where like someone will just pick me but it's like literally no one has a clue who you are no one gives a shit about you and that's like hard to think about because you're like oh but I'm so special <laughs> it's like and that may be true you might be a wonderful talented person but until you like are putting stuff out constantly and like sharing whether that's getting on stage or or releasing music or putting out whatever it is you do whatever your field is um no one's going to know. Yeah. Like no one's going to know you're trying to be a photographer if you're not posting your, your photographs, you know, you just have to like be, I don't know. I'm not like a, like a big social media guy or anything, but like you do have to play the, if you want people to know what you're capable of and you want to work in that field, you kind of have to tell people, Hey, here's what I'm capable of. Here's the field I work in. And I think I just had some moment in my late twenties where I was like, I was at a job, like an ad sales job that was totally fine, but it was going nowhere. And I didn't want to do ad sales. I was like, and I think I got like passed over for a promotion. But I think that was the moment where I was like, why are you even here? Like, like why are you working at this job? And I think that was more I was like, just generate, generate, generate. 
Mm -hmm. I had some savings at that point from working there for a little bit. And I just like quit and spent the next like few months cranking out shit. And that's when I started seeing like, you know, the beginnings of what would be some kind of career in this comedy space. So you leave this job, you either get fired or you, or you quit. You, how much, like not in terms of money, but how many months did you have saved up? Not a ton. I mean, probably only like two months ish. I mean, I could have survived. I, I should say probably more than that, like probably like three or four. But like at the three month mark was when I started looking for temp jobs is how I should put it. Because I was like, oh, we're getting a little low. And everyone has a different level of, you know, bank account anxiety. But I, I was at that point where I was like, things were starting to happen, but I did need to work. You know. Mm-hmm. So, OK, so you so you finish that job. You've got two months in the in the bank account. Mm-hmm. What are your first moves? Uh, just making a whole bunch of dumb stuff. <laughs> like I just started every day. I just woke up and tried to make a little 40 second video of me doing like a John Oliver impression or doing like a parody of a, of a Broadway song or something. I was just cranking out stuff. And, and it, things were like getting attention. Like people were like, this is really funny. Who is this guy? And it was, it was very rewarding. It was very like, Ooh, people like me. And I just really, yeah, I just kept pushing on that front. And then I was like, I should probably work because you only have like two grand left. And so I started like uh, getting little jobs, mail rooms, data entry at startups, the silliest things you could imagine, like very weird. Uh, but they always paid decently, like enough that if I did like a 40 hour week for, you know, four weeks, I'd, I'd easily be able to cover my bills. Um, but those were here. I did that for like all of 2019. Um and I was, I was at the point where I was starting to get some weird jobs where I'd be able to do something online or something that would pay a couple thousand. So like here and there, I was able to like, the bills were happening. I wasn't saving anything, but I was like surviving. And, mm-hmm. and then 2020 came around and that's when I got like some representation, all like discovery from the internet. Does representation mean an agent? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, like an agent and a manager. And there is something funny about that too, because I think when I first moved to New York, I was like, God, if I could just get an agent, everything's going to happen. And it's like, that's not how that <laughs> works either. Like people think that like, I don't know, it's, it's my agents and fantastic people. Like I'm really, really happy, but it's like, at the end of the day, you still have to keep like making, like, you know, they can't like pimp you out if you're not giving them stuff, you know, like you have to be writing, you have to be producing. And so there's that element of it too, of thinking like, I did it, I got like the agent, but you still have to be like a productive creative and it was so funny because i remember feeling so excited it was like february 2020 and i was like things are looking up for matt everything's gonna happen and then like the world shut down like three weeks later and i was like oh it's covid now we have to learn about what this this is and now we have to hunker down and uh it was very it was very strange you're making stuff online. You're making these videos. Are you going about it with a goal of like, okay, I want to achieve this by this? Or are you going about it from a more like, I want to do X number of videos per day and just be serendipitous and see what happens? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could tell you that I had like some kind of like strategy. I do feel all my success definitely comes from being online, but I can't act like I ever had like a smart plan, you know? Like I wasn't thinking like, here's what I'm... And, and there's a part of me that sometimes... Like, it's like, should I be better about that? Should I have like some kind of schedule? Should I, should I be live streaming? Like, I used to always think about like, am I doing enough with this attention? Uh, but it's sort of like my whole theory and strategy has always been like, if you don't have anything like funny, then just like, don't do anything. And I've definitely put up a, a 
ton of duds but like my my i try to be like if this isn't really funny to you don't make it and if it is really funny to you and it's like making you laugh and you're excited go make the thing real quick and put it up and it's always been sort of i don't know spontaneous i i I don't try to keep myself to a schedule i try not to post too much because i don't want to be annoying but um that being said i do feel the pressure sometimes of like if it's been like a week plus i'm like oh god are they gonna be like, well, who's this guy even, or is he falling off? Where is he? Like, and it's such a stupid thing that's in my head, but I feel like a lot of people that do internet-y type stuff probably feel that way of like, I have to keep giving them stuff. They're, you know, they're at the door and they're waiting. It makes me laugh so much because so many people, people don't do this as much anymore, but people used to do it on Instagram where they'd like fall off the radar and then they'd do like a, a, a like welcome back post where they'd be like, hey guys, sorry, I've not been here for a while. Um, and it's like, no one's noticed you've gone. You yeah, know? That's, like, that's what I always try to remind myself. Like if I'm having like anxiety about like, oh, you haven't had a good idea. Oh God, you got to make something. It's like, no one gives a shit really and it's like they're just happy when you like make something that makes them laugh and they can send it to their group text and be like isn't that funny like it's it doesn't matter no one's that invested in your life 100 percent. and actually i think you're right like the worst thing is that you make so much content that people start to go oh, i can't keep up with this or yeah. oh, it's not that last one wasn't funny so i'm gonna scroll past it it's actually probably <laughs> better to like do better quality stuff less i don't know if that's true from like an algorithm perspective i don't but... either but i totally <laughs> i feel that way i 100 percent feel that way i'm like the last thing i want to do is be the guy that people are like this guy again jesus it feels like you did this thing where you circumvent these gatekeepers. So just like putting stuff online, but this thing of just like, no, you know what? I need to, I need to show what I can do. I need to show what's funny. And then you actually got scouted for want of a better word to be a writer on, is it the Jimmy Fallon tonight show? Yeah, correct. How did that come about? That was to, to get to the tonight show. We have to go like three months prior. I, I, I did a thing for Netflix um they reached out to me they were putting together like essentially a commercial that was like a year end you know how like some brands will do like the year retrospective kind of thing like youtube does like a big thing where they show like all their viral videos from the year stuff like that or they used to i don't know if they do that anymore but netflix was putting together like a thing like a big musical number they wanted to do long story short it was like here's all the shows that happened this year it was the year of the pandemic when the pandemic first hit so it was like the tiger king year uh like British Bake Off was really popular that year. I'm trying to think. Anyway, they just needed someone to write a funny song and they'd seen some of my funny songs and it was a huge break for me. Um, yeah. Massive. So I wrote the song with the intention of them saying like, we're going to book like an A-lister to sing this song and shoot. And I was like, God damn, that's amazing. This like, you know, this big celebrity is going to sing a song I wrote. That's so big for my like resume. I can share this around. And then like, I don't know, maybe it was COVID, maybe it was scheduling. They asked me to to star in it, and it was such a huge uh, fucking moment for me. And I went out to LA, shot that, and it was just like a little four minute thing. But it was it was really they put a lot of money behind it. It looked sharp. It looked like a feature film, and it and it sounded great. The song sounded amazing because they you know they hired like orchestrators and stuff. So it was just it was great. It was like the coolest thing I've ever seen with something I wrote on this piano here. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was it was exciting. And then like a few months later um the the one of the showrunners at tonight show with jimmy fallon reached out and was like hey we love this have you ever thought about writing at the show and like i should say i'll stop this story real quick to say like i have applied to so many things in my life too it's not like everything just sort of started happening like i've been rejected millions of times i've submitted 
you know, the, you, as a writer, you submit what's called like a packet to these late night shows to be considered as a writer. I've sent so many packets, including to the Tonight Show twice, never heard anything. So like, it's it's a crazy, there's no right way to do it. Like, and I've been rejected from every every publication in New York, every publication in LA, everything you can imagine I've been rejected from. So things can kind of come out of nowhere. And basically before long, we had started talking and they really like, we need someone that can do this kind of stuff and yada, yada. And they found one of my old packets and they were like, this is really funny. And I'm like, all right. And then I think like a week later I was starting there. Like I met Jimmy like less than a week later. It all happened very quickly. And then, yeah, I wrote there for a year from May of 2021 to May of last year. Was that a full-time thing or was that a freelance thing? The Fallon job? Mm-hmm. Very much full-time, yeah. <laughs> and how, how did you balance doing that with producing your own stuff or did you just kind of pause your own work? Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it was a great job. It was an education. It was my first ever mm-hmm. TV writing job, but there was no... I mean, I did some things occasionally. I'd, I'd hop on a show here and there, but it really was... Uh, you know, because you want to do a good job. You want to make cool. It's such an opportunity to be on such a huge uh, stage. So I don't know. I, I, there was a part of me, and this sounds so stupid to say, but I, I would often be like, oh, man, you're not doing anything. You're not doing your own comedy anymore. But then you're you like kick yourself. You're like, you're writing at the ten. Like, who gives a shit about your rinky dink? videos like like and like because there'd be times where i'd be like oh i have a funny idea for a little thing i could film and then you're like "Mm, you should probably try to find a way to to turn that into a bit that you could pitch at the show because you just always had so much to be generating there and it felt silly to be spending time doing you know your own little projects because you were you know you're you're getting paid to write on this big program and that was that was priority number one for the for the entire year um yeah did it feel difficult or do you think actually you can just get your kind of creative fulfillment from like a full-time creative job? I think it's, I think it depends. I think some people are wired differently. I think I look, I'm not a psychologist, but you know that, but um, I think people (laughs) mentally, yeah, (laughs) this should come as no surprise to your listeners. Uh, I I think, I think some people can do the creative full-time job and be satisfied. And I, I think other people, maybe it's a selfish thing or an ego thing or at a certain point in your career, there's different priorities, whether it's, I want to bank some money, I want to work here and I want to, you know, I can get fulfillment out of this for whatever reason it might be. And for me, I think, you know, I'm not young, young, but I'm still, I'm in my early thirties. And it's like, I think I always like, I I loved being there, but I, I, it was hard not to think of like, what else do I want to do with my life or what else do I want? You know, I don't have a family to, to, to take care of. I don't have anything I need to really worry about. So it was sort of like, you know, you're always kind of thinking of what's like the Matt project or what's the idea of like a Matt show or what's the, you always have that in the back of your head. Um, but it's incredibly fulfilling when you're at a place like that to have like something that like you come up with that morning on the train into 30 rock and then that afternoon, you're talking to the celebrity guest about the script you wrote, and you're saying, hey, I'm going to need you to pretend to do this, this, and this. This is going to be the cold open of the show tonight. And they're like, great, I love it. And then you're like helping the director shoot it. Jimmy's doing it. It's, it's going well. You edit it. You show it. And then you get to walk into the studio and watch them show it in front of an audience. Audience loves it. You go home. It's 1130. You pop it on. You see the thing. And you're like, mm. yeah, I, that all happened in this past 12 hours. Like It is like very fulfilling it's it's hard to explain how exciting especially when I first started there like seeing 
you know, jokes you write get read on, on air in the studio. It, it is very exciting and fun. Um, and that never goes away. That's like a very adrenaline rush kind of feeling. How does it actually work? So like what it's like the day to day and how do they structure the, the writing process? Uh, it's, it's kind of all around the clock. I mean, the typical schedule at, at a place like that was, you, you know, you wake up, you submit some scripts for consideration for bits in the monologue at the top of the show, not just jokes, but like things that would be a little more performative. Maybe uh, there's a plant in the audience that does a funny bit with it, stuff like that. You'd submit scripts for that. Uh, you head into the office, you've got deadlines for desk segments that are going to happen that week that you got to just contribute jokes to. So you're working on that. Maybe you're producing a segment, maybe Chrissy Teigen's playing charades or something and you got to, and you're the, the writer that's been assigned to that. So you got to go and like, you know, talk with the props people and say, Hey, for charades, we need this clue, this clue, and this clue. Can you make them up on cards? So you're like writing, you're producing, you're kind of all over the place. If one of your things for the monologue gets selected, then you got to kind of drop everything and go produce that. So every day was a little different. Um, they taped around like five ish. And then uh, you'd be, you know, the show wraps around like six, six thirty, And I typically stay another hour or two just to kind of get ahead on my, my scripts for the next day. And, and then at the same time, you're also like thinking about bigger pitches or bigger swings you want to try to take. And um, so you're always kind of thinking about the show. <laughs> you're always kind of like, what can we do tomorrow? Oh, we have this guest coming on Friday. I bet they'd, they'd be good to do like an acoustic guitar parody or something. Like you're always thinking of like what's happening this week. What holidays are coming up? Should we do a Valentine's Day song? Should we do, you know, just, you're just kind of like in that world um, for better or worse full time. So Sounds amazing. Very intense, but amazing. Yeah, it, very intense, but very amazing. Like the things I got to do and be a part of and and, uh, you know, just being in that environment. I mean, it's like historic. You're in this building that, you know, is the home of like the Tonight Show. Seth Meyers in that building. SNL was like a few floors above our studio. It's very fun. It's cool to be there. Did you get to meet some interesting people? Uh, yeah. It was almost like a blur of a year, to put it that way. Like every day you were kind of like around just like crazy things. The coolest person I met and got to work with was Matthew McConaughey, without question. He, I did a, I wrote a Christmas song for him and Jimmy to sing together. And uh, we recorded it on Zoom because he was in LA at the time. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, like watching him try to sing this song he wrote. And then we met in person when it was time to, sh it was like a pre-tape music video type thing. And he couldn't have been sweeter. And we were on set shooting it. And it was, it was a surreal experience. Cause like, he's like sitting there, like looking at me, like, how does this part go? Like, is it like that, 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 like, what's the lyric there? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, sorry, Mr. McConaughey. It's a, you know, like it was so, uh, it was a crazy day and it went so incredibly well. The piece turned out amazing. And that, that was a highlight for sure. He was, he was a good dude. It's quite interesting to me how humans are never really happy or they struggle to be mm. like appreciative of where they are. When you're doing top of the kind of highly produced comedy side, you're like, but what about my own work? And then when you're doing your own mm -hmm. videos, it's like, but is anyone seeing this? You know, and it's like, it yeah. just feels like we're so, as human beings, we're so, it's so easy to be unhappy or to compare. You know, we're always yeah. trying to find this balance. And it's a very human thing, I think. I think that's really worth talking about because it is, it is crazy. Like all my life, it was like a dream to work at, at a show like that. Um, I like loved late night stuff. Like I was a big Letterman fan, Conan fan. I loved mm. SNL. Um, 
And so I just say, like, to do that, you are like, oh, my God, can you believe it? You're, you know, it is like surreal. You're like, I can't believe I got to this thing that I never thought someone like me would 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 get to. You know, I come from like a pretty chill, small town. <laughs> like, I don't have any connections in the business, you know. So it, it was like thrilling. But then, yeah, you're right. It's that thing of always like, what about my own stuff? But then you have to like slap yourself in the face and be like, the whole point of that stuff was to get to this stuff. Like, it's it's a real like eating your own tail kind of thing. Um, and I don't know if that ever goes away, to be honest. Like I, I get to work on a lot of cool things and I'm very, my career is going really well. I'm very happy, but I do think I'm always like going to be, no matter what levels of success I, I am fortunate enough to see, I do feel like I'll always kind of be like, oh, but should I be doing more of X, Y, Z? Or like, like you're always going to be kind of looking at like some other thing or I don't know. It's that's a, that's a scary thought, but I think it's I think it's very real. I think a lot of people have that. I think it is scary, but it's also quite helpful to know because otherwise like if you don't know that the human condition is always primed to like try and improve and do more of something or or think mm-hmm. someone else is doing better, then you're always going to think, "Oh no, no, I'm feeling this because there's an absence of something or because there's something wrong." I think gratitude is a big a big counter to that thing that happens. For example, if you're on, on writing for this amazing, well-known show, you're like, this is amazing. Um, you know, and you remind yourself daily, so I'm yeah. grateful for this thing. It's just kind of what you, what you choose to focus on in a way. Yeah, it's it's very much that. It's like, I don't know. I try to look at things in like bits and pieces nowadays of like, what's exciting me? What do I want to do? And I the alternative like to that thing we're talking about of like the fear of like, am I doing like, while I'm at this great thing, do I want to be doing something like that silly mental exercise you put yourself through? The alternative to me is, is worse where you're not, you don't have the hunger. Like I wouldn't be, you wouldn't even be talking to me if I didn't have that. You know what I mean? Cause I wouldn't have gotten to any sort of level where you knew who I was. Um, I don't think if you don't, I don't know. It's hard. I obviously go through phases where I'm like, why am I doing it? This shit. Or like, what is the point of like, the, like what is the dream career? I always have a tough time answering that, but uh, but I think it is like that innate like hunger to just be making things and to be trying to learn and to experiment and to make things that resonate with people. And if you don't have that, you're, I don't know, you're not gonna, I don't know. You really have to like want to do this cause it's like a crazy industry and it's, I, I'm glad, I'm glad I have that more than I have like the just like blase attitude. Of- it's interesting. Like I interviewed, um, David Hanemeyer Hansen. He's a guy who built Basecamp, which is like a big company, and he's written a bunch of books mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. But he was talking about like he made a million dollars or something when he sold his business. And mm-hmm. he he just it was talking about he was talking about it in such an interesting way because he was like exactly the same thing. Like it was always my dream, you know, like be a millionaire, like do this thing. Yeah. And then when yeah. it happened, and you know, this is obviously like comes with all the caveats of obviously it was amazing, but like outside of the kind of obvious thing like from a kind of dream and achievement perspective he was like it felt kind of hollow because it was like because it is that whole thing it's like it's actually never about the thing that you get to you know it's it's the journey not the destination it's the, yeah yeah it's it's like cheesy to say it but it's it is kind of yeah true <laughs> like I'm happiest when I'm actually working on like writing or producing a new song or there's nothing more fun I know it's so silly like the stuff I do on Instagram and, and TikTok nowadays it's so simple and stupid, but it's like, I get such a rush out of doing it. Like, I just love making things. And that's like, wherever that ends up taking me or whatever I end up making or producing are all byproducts of like what comes from the genuine joy of just creating. And that's, I don't know, I don't have like any other choice, really. <laughs> like, I feel like I have to do that or I'm just going to be depressed. So 
Do you remember your first video? I've been making like silly sketches since I was like in high school and putting them on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like I've been doing weird stuff for a while. My first video, I remember my first video that like made me realize people were looking. I did a video that was making fun of like Broadway, like like modern Broadway songs. Oh yeah, like so four, good. Like, I've seen that one. Uh, thank you. It was like, it's an oldie, but yeah, it was like 40, it was like 40 seconds. We'll play it on this. So many songs, they start like this. The guy just kind of talks, but then he sings like this. He yells things like, I was a doctor and this life is not for me. How could I be so dumb? Things like, at the age of 23, and then the chords change up. Yeah, that was the first time that I was like, it was kind of scary because like overnight, like a few like celebrities shared it. And it was enough that like, I went from having like, maybe like a 1000 followers on Twitter to like, like 9000, like when I woke up and that to me was like, so crazy. And it was a little like, oh, what? like, I was like, we have to start we, have, we start today. What's the next hit? Like, it did feel like, oh, my God, like the world is demanding more. No one cared. But yeah. but yeah, that was the first like big thing. And how did that get traction? Was it, was it, it, was it And it was just what just people kept retweeting. That was the glory of Twitter. I, I don't really use it anymore. I feel like it's really gone downhill. But like, that was the best thing about Twitter was if someone liked what you did, they could just retweet it. And if that someone happened to have 4 million followers, suddenly my, you know, my little amateur account is getting a lot of exposure. And I never thought of it in these terms at the time. Like, I'm, it's not like a business to me. It was just me putting out things that I thought were funny for my comedy peers and whatnot to be like, oh, this is hilarious or whatever. I, I mean, I thought there was something to what I was doing or I wouldn't have shared it. But yeah, I never thought like, all right, this needs to hit this certain demographic. I just made funny things and people just happened to retweet them. and. This was back when I didn't do anything on Instagram. Like I didn't, Instagram was still me like posting with my like friends, like having a nice brunch, you know, like I wasn't doing comedy on there. That was like my only like sincere social media at the time. But even that's been kind of uh, taken over by the walk and talk videos. But. I know you said you don't like on sort of talking about what your what the kind of goal is, but like if you were forced, if I said to you, like, what do you want to do with 20, what are we in 2023? What would be like a successful or a happy 2023 for you? Um, there's so much I want to do in this year and beyond. Like I, I want to, you know, I want to create like a television show where I can like write out the storylines that I kind of talk about the things I talk about in my observational videos. I want that to be successful and I want people to enjoy it and, and have it resonate with people and make them feel like someone gets them. And I want to, you know, I want to write a book one day. I want to write a musical one day. Uh, I, 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 I tend to creatively, I tend to let things come to me, but on a more like, I don't know, <laughs> like on a more like weird, what do I want to do? I do want to be a little more uh, not aggressive, but I want to, you know, reach out to people that I've always admired and be like, would you want to try to make something with me? I want to be more of that kind of person because I feel like I tend to, you know, just wait till that special email comes in or that special DM. And it's like, 
Yeah, well, you but you can be that person too that sends the special email or DM. And sometimes I forget that. And I'm like, yeah, I want to be better about reaching out to people that I would love to collaborate with and, and, and do things like that. Because I think that's where I have a lot of fun because so much of what I do is so solitary nowadays. And I kind of miss like being in a writer's room at, at The Tonight Show, for example. Like I miss being mm-hmm. around people that I really admire and are really talented because that just makes, it elevates everyone's art, you know. And have you reached out to people? Is that something that you find easy to do? I no, I don't find it easy to do. I find I find it, I find it very. Uh, I, I really admire people that are just like, hey, we should do something together. Because I'm like, I I don't want to come off as like a dork. I don't want to be like annoying. I don't want to. I don't know. I I I try not to to do a lot of that. But I want to be better about it this year and just try to make things bigger than what I could do on my own. You know. Yeah, hundred percent. And also, people always can say no. Like this is what people always forget. They think like by making yeah. the request, they're like mandating that this person does it. It's like no, and actually, they're probably going to be quite flattered that you're reaching yeah. out. Because everyone's everyone's sitting around waiting for that DM. You know, <laughs> everyone's. It makes people feel good to do the rejecting. So either way, like it's going to be <laughs> nice. You're going to be making that. Oh, sorry, actually, I'm too busy for this. Yeah, people like doing that because they're like, oh, abundance. Things are coming through the door. You know, so mm-hmm. I feel like it's a win-win. Oh, so it's such a pleasant feeling. It's like nothing better than seeing like the email notification on your phone and being like, is that a, is that a gig? And then it's like an ad from like the gap or something. You're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> it's, uh, everyone's waiting for it. Yeah. The thing I always think about when, when I think about this topic is like, I had this idea. There's like this journalist from like the New York Times or something. And mm-hmm. I had in my head, just this idea, this like memory that I'd reached out to him, pitched him something. I suddenly realized, no, no. I'd followed him on Twitter and my brain uh, had done this like mad thing where oh like me following God. him, he would reach out to me. And if he didn't do that, then he must not be interested. It's like, <laughs> what the actual hell is yeah. going on in our brains? Like, it's so I know. crazy. I know. I, that is the one thing. I'm not like, I'm definitely not anti-internet or anything, but I, I get that way too, where I'm like, oh, I wonder if this person, because I followed them, sees that I followed. Like you just play these silly games and it's all in your head. It, it's so easy to like, construct these narratives when you're so on i'm on my phone all day and so it's so easy to be like surely everyone else is doing this too and you're like no you're just a crazy person checking your phone way too much (laughs) yeah but it's not even like that they're not checking it's this thing that you think it's that same thing of like you think you're much more visible than you are no like even if they they were very interested in collaborating like they're just not gonna do that because someone's just followed them on twitter they're just gonna go oh great and then move on with their lives it was there was something so funny about that I was like I was so convinced that I'd reached out to this guy and like yeah. anyway I don't know I just thought I, I, that happens to me all the time I have dreams all the time where I'll wake up and be like did I email that that person that follows me and ask them if they like I'll, like it's weird because when you spend so much time looking at them or looking at like what people are making you think you're friends even if you've never talked you just happen to follow each other on Twitter or or TikTok or whatever it may be it's it's it is weird. It's like infiltrated my brain as well. I get it. I totally get it. But I think you're right that like you are that everyone is like waiting for that email. Whether they're waiting for mm-hmm. your email, it will you'll figure that out when you send the email. But everyone is like waiting <laughs> for like people to reach out much and people have way more time, I think, than you think. You know, people are not that busy. Not everyone's gonna reply, but totally. a lot of people will. And I think, yeah, it's yeah. an important thing to remember. Yeah, I try to I try to reply to as many people as I can, you know, because especially if it's from a place of like, hey, I'd love to learn more about how you got into comedy or stuff like that, you know, because mm. it doesn't take much time to do that. And it's, you know, 
it's nice to help if you can, if you can offer any advice or whatnot. When people reach out to you, what's the most common advice that they're asking for, the most common request? Hmm. It's a lot of like, honestly, it's not a lot of people asking for advice. I, it, that happens, but it's much more just people saying like, love this video, dude, or whatever. You know, it's never like, unless I post something to my story that's like, what's your favorite restaurant in this city that I'm going to be visiting? Then it's like people, you know, doing that. But but I do get the, yeah, I'll get people that are like, how did, like, I would love to like pick your brain, that phrase, you know, it's a lot of stuff like that. But it's never anything crazy. Like people, I get some weirdos and you just kind of delete it and move on or whatnot. But it's it's majority of very nice people. And I try to like respond in kind because I know it's like, hey, we're all here doing stuff. So for the ones that say, can I pick your brain? Just mm-hmm. so you can, if you end up getting more and more of those, and then you we we can cover it here, and then you can say, "Hey, I've actually talked about this on the." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cut to uh, fifty-five minutes. Yeah, into exactly. the, yeah. <laughs> what 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 is your advice? Like when people say come to you and say, "Hey, I'm like interested in getting into comedy," what would be your main pieces of advice? I I literally just say the same thing over and over and over because I don't think it's that. I mean, it, I'm not gonna say it's not difficult. It's incredibly difficult. But it, there, to me, there's one thing that there's nothing stopping you from doing is just you have to just be cranking out shit, and you have to be sharing it with people. You have to be, you have to be doing that, even if you're like afraid of like, oh god, what if this isn't that good and people aren't gonna like it? It's like I think people sometimes think that I just was like good at writing from the get go, and it's like I definitely like. I'm still not that good. Like, it's like I have some like little lucky hits, but like I used to like write every single, I was like, I had like, I held myself to writing like two jokes on Twitter a day back in like 2016. I was like, every day I'm going to write two jokes that I think are really funny. And like, you go back and look at them, they all have like two likes or something. Like, it's not like things, but you get, you do get better at like being sharper and being, this is specifically for comedy writing, but like you just get better. It's like, it's like running or weightlifting or something. The more you do it, you're going to get stronger at the skill. It's, it's inevitable. So like when people are like, how do you get into this? How do you do that? Like, who do you have to meet? Or what? it's not, it's just, you just got to be really, really good. And you have to be really, really lucky. Like there's no, like, I would never not say that like, it's all been like miraculous that I've had any kind of career. Cause it's just the right people liking what you're doing and giving you an opportunity. I've been incredibly lucky to get to do what I've done. That being said, I wouldn't have been able to hit those highs if I didn't have things I could point to and say, look at this thing I did. So they knew that I was capable of working and, and, and getting the gig, if that makes sense. What would you say if someone, if someone said, if replied to you saying, yeah, I want to do that, but I'm shy? Would, it, would you just say it's the wrong career for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a pretty, I'm, I'm, I definitely lean more introvert than extrovert. I would say, I I don't know if you're shy of like, if you're performance shy, if you're shy about putting yourself out there, I get that. I totally get that. But because the internet can be a very scary, weird place, but yeah, it is sort of, you have to think like, what do I want this to become? You know, do, what do I really want to do with what I'm saying or making? Cause there's, you can have a career and be kind of like a recluse. Like you can like, disappear and and be able to put your stuff out if you're like a novelist or something you don't have to be so public facing necessarily but if you want to do comedy especially on stage you kind of have to I mean what are we talking about you know it's like you kind of have to like get over it at some point um there's just only you can only limit yourself so many ways you know
I mean, I still wrestle with that sometimes because sometimes I do things where I'm like, oh, I don't know, uh, like like I don't know if my dad will like this because I'm I'm making fun of this thing that I know he likes, or I don't know if my mom will think this. Like it is like I don't know if I want to. This could be really funny, but it, I'm talking about my siblings in this essay or something, and I don't want them to feel like I'm throwing them under the bus or I'm criticizing them. It's it is tricky, and I think about that stuff a lot. I try to, like, the stuff I do tends to be, I mean, you've seen it, it tends to be more, like, observational and, and whatnot. But, yeah, sometimes I do think, like, when I, like, I've been doing a lot more writing in the past few months and, like, essays and, like, scripts and things. And, and you do draw on your life experiences, and it's tricky. Like, I think everyone, I mean, there's some people that can do it and, and are very vulnerable. I think that's tricky, and I don't think that ever goes away if you're, like, protective of your relationships in your life whether they're friends or family or, or partners it's so interesting because I feel like there's always two things there's like as you say protecting the people closer to you and then there's mm -hmm. also this thing of like the internet loving to get something wrong and to be like this doesn't apply to me there's that meme that's like I can't remember what it is but it's like really funny where it's like someone yeah. posts something about like beans or something and then they're like but you haven't even mentioned eggs or something <laughs> like that it's like you know, I think there's also that side of it where the internet's just like dedicated to get things wrong. I definitely, especially like since this past summer when those like little videos of me walking around have kind of had a moment, I, I feel like I'm more conscious of that because it's a little scary. I do get like, I don't know, because I'll make fun of like kind of like Republicans a lot and I'll make fun of like, and these are the guys that, you know, have guns, even like liberal people. It's like, you don't want to say the wrong thing because the last thing I want to do is like, accidentally like be a dickhead to some like marginalized group or something or not think about every thing that I could be thinking about but sometimes you're like this video is about this and you're always going to get people that are saying like yeah but you didn't think about those other beans or whatever it might be and you're like you can't not I had a tweet about it a long time ago but it, it was like a thought of like not every single thing can be for every can solve every single problem it's just a little silly little observation and it's not going to be perfect. If it's not damaging, we win, you know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't fix the world with like a 40 second TikTok. I think it's interesting that you do music and comedy because I feel like the traditional identities of musicians versus comedians are very different. So like mm -hmm. a comedian, they take their craft seriously, but they don't take themselves seriously. And the musicians at least historically take themselves quite seriously yeah. so I don't know if you've ever thought about that but for me I thought it was interesting that you're doing both things and maybe that's the wrong thing to focus on and you're just focused on the art but I was just curious if you find it challenging ever to kind of both be a comedian a writer and a musician or if it kind of all plays together I think it all plays together for sure I don't I ever think of it as like um well, today's a music day. Today's a comedy day. It's literally just like this is music, Matt. Now, yeah, it's like it's sort of like whatever is inspiring me that day. Like if I'm taking a walk and and I see something funny at a coffee shop, maybe I'll be like, oh, that's a funny thing. How we all do this at the coffee shop, you know? Like, but if I'm walking and I'm and I have a funny melody in my head, I'm like, that would be a fun little, you know? It's just whatever is like in my head at the time. But there is like an old quote. I don't know who said it about like every musician wants to secretly be a comedian every comedian secretly wants to be like a rock star and i do think that's true i feel like i do feel like there's a little bit of overlap at least in my brain like like have you been seeing the videos from this 1975 tour that motherfucker he like clearly wants to be a comedian every clip i see on tiktok is like of him like doing like weird comedy material and like doing bits yeah it's very theatrical their tour but um but no i, I sorry go back to that yeah like i I mean, the thing that like made me pop at first was doing like funny 
musical stuff uh but yeah i like i don't know it's gonna always be a part of my career like whether it's like composing music for for projects or releasing my own stuff and i just kind of i don't know i think maybe it's like a defense mechanism of like well if the comedy fails you can always fall back on the music or if the music sucks you can always get like it's like it just gives me another out another iron in the fire uh because i don't want to put all my eggs in one of those baskets because i'm too scared you know do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing Mm. every now and then i think about like what my life would have been like if i really really focused on being like a professional musician um or the opposite if i really really tried to get great at stand-up and go all in on comedy um but i don't like have any regrets i feel very like i get to have a really nice life and i can't complain about anything and i know that i'll continue to get more opportunities in both fields and i don't know i feel like i found a good balance because i don't really want to stop doing any of the things i do i enjoy all the outputs Hmm. yeah why should you be constrained and also that might mean that you end up with like a really interesting brand of either music and comedy like the more you do it because you know you'll they'll be as you say playing off each other yeah that's that's kind of like a dream like going back to your 2023 dream goal like that is like a dream goal i want to get like a like an hour long live show uh up and running that would be like all like music for the most part um like like funny songs and stuff i I would love to get something like that going because i miss i miss performing music but i like if i could find a way to make it funny and you know because that's going to be the draw i feel like at this point more people way more people know my like silly stuff you know so i'm like how do i figure this out but that's all the kind of stuff that's on the the bulletin board that you can't see right here that i'm scheming on what else is on the bulletin board uh, a couple of photos of my family uh, a couple <laughs> calendar uh, <laughs> some silly mantras the writing projects i'm neglecting yeah a little bit of everything what mantras do you have are you too embarrassed to tell uh i've got two on my on you my give, you give me one and then I'll share one. So I feel safe. okay. One of mine is we can do hard things. I love that. This is vulnerable. I'm going to cut this from the podcast. Aww. And then the other, <laughs> and then the other one is don't waste a moment of your precious life. Oh, I love that. I love that. That feels good. I I just had a birthday and I've been thinking about your lifetime. Not to be morbid, but I'm like, yeah, wow. You really time only keeps moving forward. <laughs> so I'll put it. And I'm like, yeah, I need to not feel so like yeah i just got to keep doing all things i want to do because yeah Mm. i only have one little life Uh, okay i'll give you one i have one that's for anxiety that i use a lot it is uh you step up always uh someone told me that a few years ago uh, a doctor and um, what does that mean it means that for me personally if there's a moment where i'm like i can't imagine doing this job interview or I can't imagine I have to go in and, and present this or I have to go perform this thing I'm so nervous I'm freaking out it's just this idea of like you've never not stepped up you always you always figure it out even if it doesn't live to your expectations you step up always no matter what and that keeps me like this isn't going to be the time where you like completely like lose your mind you're not going to like have you're going to be fine you step up and I don't know what the fear is too it's like I don't when I when I think about that when I'm like oh you step up always I don't know what my fear is there. Like, I don't know if it's like, do I think I'm going to like combust? Do I think I'm going to pass out? I don't know what it is that is so like, and then we just think about that. It's so easy to remind, like you're going to, you've never not <laughs> been a human being when you had to be, like you will be fine. It's just so easy to get caught up in your thoughts about how can this go wrong in this many ways. 
because oftentimes, yeah, it's like if you just spell it out, you realize how silly your your fears are. You're like, this is so uh, unfounded. And then my other one's more for writing, and that's just because this one saved me a lot of times. Is each word should have meaning. Like when I'm writing, it helps me look at things where I go, why are you even, why are you saying like that? You could be more descriptive. You could have something funnier here. You could like every word hmm. in my writing. I, 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 it's easy to look back at things and be like, there's so much filler in here. There's so much junk. Cut things mm-hmm. that don't matter. Change non-descriptive things to specifics. And that's helped me be a lot sharper as far as like getting to the joke quicker. Do you know Whitney Cummings, the comedian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She always talks on her podcast about uh, Al-Anon, which is like yeah. it's if you've been affected by alcoholics, it's like a support group. And one of the like phrases that they have is say what you mean, mean what you say, don't say it mean. And I think that's so good for writing. So it's yeah. like it's essentially like every word has meaning. Yeah. And then only say things that actually mean something. And then just as long as you're not being mean, it's all good. Like that's how I yeah. think about it when it comes to writing. Yeah, that's a great that's that's great for thinking creatively too, for sure. Cause like it's kind of what we were saying at the very beginning of this. Like I try not to be like a dick in my video. Like I try not to really attack something unless it's like such a thing that should be like such an evil thing. But like even then it's still like that tone of sort of like, well, isn't this just weird? I'm not gonna be mean, but I'm gonna be like, look, this is weird. And that's I think it goes a long way and not being like, you know, the asshole. I guess people should follow your Instagram. Yeah, it's the same handle. It's at Matt Bouchel, B-O-O-S-H-E-L-L. Thank you so much. It was great to chat. This was such a pleasure. It was good talking with you. Thanks for listening to the Out of Hours podcast. And if you like this episode and want to support the show, you can click the link in the show notes and buy me a delicious coffee. I really, really appreciate the support.